Hi, my name is Moki Makura and I am the host of Women on Top, the Africa edition. It's a podcast show where we interview successful African women in leadership roles, and I'm here to guide you through their stories. Every episode, we'll meet one of these fabulous women who clawed their way to the top, punched through that glass ceiling, covered up their cuts and bruises, and today, they are standing strong. This is Women on Top, the Africa edition. This episode, we meet Ipileng Makari, the CEO of Motsang Investment Holdings, a South African property and investment holding group. Look, I've never come across a young woman who's walked in and said they want to back uh, the backing for a CCTV business. I don't even know what that is, but you've taken me through it. You seem to understand it. What do you need? How much do you need? They took it to credit. I think I needed 100,000 rand. It was the biggest deal of my life. And that was literally my first transaction, going to negotiate with a bank manager, and I got the money. That was Ipileng talking about the very first time she raised money from anyone. Not your usual sob story. But then Ipileng was not your usual entrepreneur. The year was 1988. The country was South Africa. She was young, black, and was breaking new barriers in a very white and male-dominated business environment. You'll hear more about that later in the story. But since then, she has gone from strength to strength. We're a diversified investment holdings group, and we focus primarily on property. That has been our mainstay for the last two decades. So we're a business that's a mid-tier business. We sub 500 million revenue in terms of rands. We're a business that employs about 400 odd people between all of the subsidiaries and the associates. We enjoy being where we are for now in the sense that we see ourselves as a boutique B2B type business. We are not trying to be mass. A lot of our growth in the last maybe two years has come out not from organic growth, but really from making the right strategic acquisitions um, and bringing them on stream. Ipileng is celebrating 23 years of being in business, which is no mean feat for any company these days. In fact, according to the American Bureau of Labor Statistics, only 25% of businesses in the US make it beyond 15 years or more. So she has got a lot to celebrate. Over the last two decades, she has expanded the business into three core areas, property services, property ownership, and a catch-all category she calls strategic investments. We started in the services area, servicing property services and providing them to landlords. And, and essentially that was anything from property management to facilities management and then to concessions management. Then we started acquiring assets. So we bought properties off our own balance sheet. And that vertical became very important because it fed into our services business. So we could buy properties that we could manage ourselves and not rely only on a third-party client. Then the third vertical has always been our strategic investments. We've bought into telecommunications businesses, furniture businesses, fleet management businesses. The idea there was always to say, if we ever got into a position where we felt property was, was shaky and very risky, we would have a strategic investments cluster that we could always rely on either from a dividend income stream or something like that. It's that type of smart and strategic thinking that has propelled Ipileng in business. And those three verticals she was talking about still exist today. And the business is still actively acquiring new assets. 
Last year, we did a fantastic strategic investment transaction into an engineering business because we're not engineers. We partnered with a lady who is herself an engineer and has run her business for 20 years. It's brought an interesting infusion of energy into our group and strategic direction, I suppose, an alignment to what is critically important in the country today. Our asset acquisition strategy has kind of grown into not just directly held assets, but also what we call PPPs, public-private partnerships, which are project finance structures. But like some investment holding companies, the structure of the business, well, it's a little complex, but she's working on that. So when you look at what businesses we currently operate, they're right five or six, and that really is spans our leadership team. So I have an ex-go of about seven, and that's where the businesses are that operate. The rest of the businesses are shell companies or businesses that we've used to buy into other businesses, um, and most of them are actually being deregistered. So the group structure is really being minimized and kind of flattened to a degree to make it a little bit more fit for what we actually are today. And what they are today is a very successful business that is essentially focused on asset management and acquisition. The thrust of our business really is to own and or manage anybody's asset base, whatever it may be. So let's go back, way back, back into time, when she started her business selling CCTV solutions. Ipeleng's story at this point is an interesting, uniquely South African story because of what was happening in the country at the time. It was 1998, four years after apartheid had ended and Nelson Mandela was president. And his new government was trying to fast-track transformation of the economy and provide black South Africans with economic opportunities. So they developed a new policy designed to do just that. There was a flurry of activity around this concept called black economic empowerment. Nobody really understood how to deliver it, how to manage it and regulate it. There were no codes of good governance at the time. It was just, you know, somebody calls you and says, look, I'm looking for a BE partner. You want to be my BE partner. And a lot of white business owners and particularly family-owned businesses were finding themselves, I suppose, just doing whatever they thought was necessary. Ipileng had just left university. She was excited to be moving up to Johannesburg. She was looking for a new job. And then she was approached by a friend who offered her an opportunity to be the BEE partner for a company in the closed-circuit television space. It was a sector Ipileng knew nothing about. But as they say, when opportunity knocks... I got bitten, I think, by the interest and the excitement of coming to Johannesburg and being approached to start working for a company that was in the closed circuit television space. I felt that the timing was right for me to look at something that was, I suppose, a little bit challenging. It was challenging, but not in the way she expected. The company had interpreted the new BE policy in a way that ticked the boxes on paper, but didn't really empower anyone black. They'd simply created a separate structure from the original company and were looking for someone to pull in new business. In this separate structure, I was meant to be the partner and I was meant, in fact, I was meant to be the staff member and run and get business. And it was only when I realized six months into it that I said, you know, who are my co-directors? And I realized it was their housekeeper and the gardener that I realized how much of a front I had been for six months. Getting black people to front white companies in South Africa just to bring in new business was well, not that unusual, but it was a shock for a young and naive Ipileng. 
but it fired her up. Spent the next six months planning my exit, and really, I at the end of the, that year in November, I said to my dad, who's a lawyer, "Come with me as my advisor in this meeting. I'm I'm really scared. I need to go and talk to the chairman." And I just said to the chairman, "Thank you for the opportunity. I've been here for a year, but I'm leaving, and I just want the name. I want to take the name with me. I don't care for the business that I've brought in." And that's what we agreed on, and we shook on that. And the next year, she started her own entrepreneurial journey. And so I started my own business in '98, and that was a company called Posa Iliso CCTV, which means to cast an eye. And CCTV, electronic security cameras, are to casting eyes all over the place. That business was really, really tough to start. You know, we started off as an unknown woman, young woman, just straight out of university, selling CCTV solutions and cameras to you know people who didn't know you. You didn't have a brand. You didn't have a technical team. She may not have had much at the start, but what she did manage to get pretty early on was that loan from the bank to finance that very first contract. It was the money she needed to buy the cameras and pay the team to install them. But there was a catch. It wasn't a loan for a year. I needed to pay them back in 30 days. To never have raised a cent in your life and then to raise 100,000 and then to say to your team, your technical team who is not employed by you, only have 30 days, we've started the deal, we've bought stock, they've done all the work. The actual installation is in Bumalanga, so it was the the Kunene Brothers Coca-Cola plant. But what helped was a couple of things. One, an excellent delivery on on the part of our subcontracting team, and two, a client who paid me on time, because that could have been the end of me. It just worked out. It was by the grace of God. And that moment was like, okay, I can do this. Nobody had taught me that. Nobody had taught me how to raise money, you know, find subcontractors, balance the books, close a deal, move on. But it it happened. Like any entrepreneurial journey, it was a mixture of joy and pain in equal doses. I think it was a tough time. It was a, a, a very exciting time. Tough in the sense that I was completely naive and wet behind the ears. What was exciting about it was... You know, when you're 23 and you're getting into your little car and you're going door to door, knocking on people's doors and asking for opportunities, understanding the system, what is a tendering system, you know, visiting site visits for tenders and really starting to realize, and I think I'd done a year of it with this company. So I kind of understood some of those elements, but starting to realize that you really are on your own. Those days were both exhilarating and exhausting because there was no consistent salary. I had walked away from that, from a job. I was creating the opportunity for myself. What was absolutely fundamental is that there were open doors and there was a thinking that was very welcoming in the market because wherever you went, there were very few black people, very few black entrepreneurs, let alone young people. She described that first year as Fantastic. And from there, she was totally hooked on business. Although it wasn't easy, the deals didn't simply come walking through the door, but she pushed hard and won a few more contracts. And in 1998, she set up Motseng Investment Holdings and started looking around for transactions. What we did was to understand, you know, who are the very low-hanging fruit or kind of what are the really low-hanging opportunities and how do we begin to integrate this into other businesses? And one of our first transactions buying into 
Enforce Security Group on the back of a vendor finance transaction was quite exciting because in 2000, we did this transaction and we became the Black Economic Empowerment Partner to Enforce Security Group. And that allowed us to grow the CCTV business while still becoming part of a much bigger security organization. And that was the beginning of Mudzing, the business. Transactions like that drew attention to Ipiling, and she had started to get some great PR. She was profiled in lots of magazines and people started approaching her. But the game changer for the business came in the shape of a property services company. We were not in property at all. And we were approached by Marriott Property Services because of the Enforce deal and relationships and networks. And we said, yeah, well, why, why don't we? And the proposition there was very simply, we want to train you into becoming property experts, take you on some courses, and we need a partner who can help us to manage two major contracts for us where the client is a pension fund. And that pension fund was literally saying to the to their service providers, you will transform, you will have to get black economic empowerment partners. And, and these guys realized how real the reality was. So in the space of four years, we went from being this little Posse Lisa to having done an enforced deal and a property deal. And suddenly here we were, myself and my business partner, we were both running this business and we both had now salaries so we could pay ourselves and pay our staff. Quite quickly, we sold our stake in Enforce. Uh, we thought that the team was not going in the direction we wanted to go. And then we kept our relationship with Marriott. And that became the growth path because, you know, we took over contracts. There were about 50 staff collectively. And suddenly there was the business to structure going forward. Luckily for her, at the time when things were really taking off, she was able to give it the absolute total focus it needed. You know, early 20s, you've got no kids. You've got no husband. You've got no bond. It's literally me, myself and I, and it's my little car feeling like you're able to conquer the world. My business partner was married, but he was young. They had no kids. So we both had the time and the energy um, to put into this full time. And that was super exciting. It got more exciting over the years as the company grew and she looks back with well-deserved nostalgic pride. We've been blessed with phenomenal, phenomenal teams, with people that we've worked with. If I just look at the 23-year timeframe now, our ability in the first decade of our, our existence to move from being this single-service kind of company. By the end of 2008, we had built up a brand. And in that first decade, being able to be asked by Miss Oprah Winfrey to assist her and her team to assist them with the CCTV solution for their school, then becoming the facilities management partner on the ground for three years was a massive highlight. The second, I would say, was then transitioning into a landlord. So we'd now come out of just seeing ourselves as these service providers and price takers, being a business that could essentially own assets and manage assets. And that was quite powerful. And in the beginning of the second decade, we strategized to say we must buy our own properties. And then we listed a property fund on the JSC in 2012. And now if I look at where we are today, I would say that a key highlight right now has been just focusing on being able to run these businesses and keep them stable. The pandemic has made stability an almost impossible goal for so many businesses. And Motsang Investment Holdings has not been totally immune to its impact. 
although she's fearless in many ways, the pandemic was a worrying time for her. You know, I think the COVID process was still with us in many ways, but the uncertainty of not understanding what would or could happen to your business, we were very lucky that we we survived most of that because we have businesses that have got long-term contracts, most of them, thankfully. My angels have been with me. I think we have had the opportunity of a lifetime. Before the pandemic, Ipilang would hands down tell you that one of the most challenging times in her business journey was when they decided to turn this entrepreneurial startup into a proper grown-up business. A business with proper structures and actual policies. She called it back-breaking work that took over two years to deliver. I almost had a nervous breakdown because, <laughs> you know, you're trying to run the business whilst you're still building it. Literally building the, the foundation that is actually going to allow us to now say, okay, we are a business. You know, when you're at a stage in business where you have a staff, let's say of 30, and someone says to you, what's the leave policy? No, no we have 15 days leave. It's all in your head. It's not written down somewhere. You suddenly realize, because there were two or three of you, and then suddenly there are 20 and 30, that, hang on, we don't have the things that we need so that the business is not about us, but it's about the business. And that moment really hit when we were stretched because suddenly we couldn't answer every question. We couldn't be in every meeting. And we needed to actually say, hang on, in order for us to actually now move from being a startup to a business where people can trust you, rely on you, and staff know what's happening. And it's something she's really proud of. When you look at the corporate services, the work that we did in the, in the operations team to get that running, you know, it took a lot of effort just to coordinate people and to, to put a vision in place and to actually achieve it. And very proud of the team that did that. And at the end of it, she took a year off to catch up on sleep have her third child and just recover from the Herculean effort of future-proofing the business. The exercise definitely paid off because Motseng Investment Holdings is standing strong today because of the solid base she and her partner put in place. Epileng describes herself as an exceptionally hard worker, and I'd imagine also an amazing multitasker and juggler. So I was curious to hear more about her leadership style. I found my niche really in that I'm an organizer and I want things to be delivered. I'm a little bit of a control freak and a micromanager at times, but I've managed to step back from that because I have great teams and great staff. I probably... I'm a little bit too involved. And, and the word I used earlier was I, I can micromanage at times. And, and I think that that's an area that I need to learn how to step back. Epilang is a leader who wants to inspire others in that she's really clear about the importance of using her voice and sharing her journey with other people. 
She is a product of both her parents, who were professional entrepreneurs. And by that, I mean her father, the lawyer, ran his own practice and then became a judge. And her late mother was a doctor and ran the local family health centre. Both of them were an incredible inspiration for her. And it was from them, she believes, she inherited her entrepreneurial talent. And she is living proof that many things are possible. Ipileng is a mother of four grown-up children ranging between the ages of 11 and 23. And she got married, had the children whilst building this business. So I asked her the obvious question, how did she do it? I think many of us mothers will identify with her answer. I had to get past the stage of huge feelings of guilt in the early days, huge you know, not knowing what it meant to be a mom and be a businesswoman and be a partner wife. I eventually got to the point where a dear friend said to me, you know, you've got to accept that you have to be there where you are. You can't be everywhere. I'm grateful that I took the time to understand what it means to be there when I am. I'm grateful that my kids know that I'm a mom who, yes, maybe I didn't pick them up every day from school, but I have been present in every other space that they needed me to be present in and that I felt I needed to be present in. She's achieved a lot and she's clearly getting to that stage where she's thinking about legacy. Now, as I look into the next part of my career, it's kind of saying, have I done enough? Have, have we done enough to get the next generation of leaders and even younger people? Have we got enough spaces where wholly Black-owned businesses will be sustainable and will survive? Have we done enough of that? And I think that that's the more that I want. For me, yeah, I look forward to doing things differently and to being a little bit more impactful for, for future generations. Wanting more, wanting to give back and realising her role in creating the next generation of business leaders in her mould is why Ipileng is a woman on top. And that's it from me, Moki Makura. I'm your host and the producer of Women on Top, the Africa edition. It's the podcast where we interview African women in leadership roles. If you like this podcast, please share it. Subscribe and tell us what you think in the comments. We will see you next time.